Welcome to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how's it going today? I gotta say, life is pretty good so far. We uh, are coming off of the heels of CrimeCon, which was in Las Vegas this year. Probably, arguably, the most productive CrimeCon that you and I have attended. So right off the bat, I just want to give a shout out to CrimeCon, the organizers, the venue itself was wonderful, aside from the uh, perpetual cigarette smoke wafting in from the casino. Uh, I guess that's inevitable when you're in Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. And a shout out to our partners at Glassbox, who sponsored the stage, the podcast studio stage, which was center stage in the con- in a podcast row in that convention hall. Uh, it worked out beautifully. So Glassbox Media sponsored that. They had a booth there as well. I know they talked to a lot of people um, in the industry and did a lot of networking. But it was it was amazing to do a live podcast in the middle of all that action. And I, I, I had my doubts at first, but it worked out great. Yeah, you're 100% right, Lance. It was a very hectic room, a huge um, room, bigger than it's ever been for Podcast Row. And, and this 2022 year at CrimeCon was bigger than what we've ever experienced at a CrimeCon um, by a healthy margin. And uh, and it was great. It, we had such a good time. And this panel, Lance, that we had, we had a couple of panels at CrimeCon, but this one that we're going to bring you today is about the disappearance and likely recovery of Brandon Lawson, who went missing from San Angelo, Texas in 2013, August 8th, 2013. And like you said, the room was pretty hectic. So you'll hear some background noise in the audio, but the audio sounds great. Um, so big, again, big shout out to the AV people who ran the, uh, the booth there in podcast row and on the panel with us, we had Ladessa Hendricks, who was Brandon Lawson's ex, and they share several children together, Lance. And John Lorden was also on the panel from Brain Scratch fame. You can check him out at lordenarts.com. And also, case advocate Jason Watts was on the panel. We've had him on the show several times. He is all over our missing Brandon Lawson coverage. And Lance, he helped lead the search team that recovered, or I should say likely recovered, Brandon Lawson's remains back in April of 2022. And he was joined on that search by Melissa and Whitney from Cults, Crimes, and Cabernet, who were also on this panel with us for a few minutes. And in my opinion, this was probably the most emotional panel that we've done at a live event, especially being at CrimeCon. It added to that sense of... uh, community and you could really feel that when Ladessa was speaking uh, I wouldn't even want to say to the audience she was speaking with the audience like she was connecting with them I remember right in the beginning her microphone not being close enough and I think uh, Jason pushed it a little closer and when people could hear her and they connected with her she spoke about being a mom not only when she was with Brandon but just being a mom after Brandon's disappearance and how do you communicate that to the kids and she says something really powerful about what it's like now knowing that Brandon's remains were likely found and I just wanted to give a little hint it's when she's talking about Easter and Really, that was the moment, I think, when the audience and her and us like all connected and and it was a perfect definition of what this community is capable of doing from start to almost finish. But it'll be finished soon. But you know what I mean? We did the early coverage along with John Lorden. Jason's doing the advocacy. Melissa and Whitney from Crimes, Cults and Cabernet actually joined the, the search 
search is uh, and covered the disappearance of Brandon as well on their show. And with all of that coming together and the people who attended CrimeCon, again, the perfect definition of what this community can do and to be a part of it right there in real time, realizing what was happening and to have Ledessa sort of give that definition because I didn't realize that until she said that line about Easter and and what they felt as a family. And then I realized it's, that's the full circle part. And it all happened years ago, leading right up to this Vegas panel and uh, just a really amazing moment. So, yeah, just big shout out to everybody involved there, including all the people who came to watch Ledessa speak about Brandon. Even though we had the heavy hitters speaking in other breakout rooms, uh, this one packed the house as well. There were people sitting on the floor. There were people just trickling in as they heard what was going on. And uh, again, Ladessa knocked it out of the park. And I really hope people understand the gravity of what happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lance, we, we power through these interviews sometimes, no matter how emotional they are. But this one, uh, this one got, got me a little bit, too. I, it was just there was something about it that was um, just kinetic and uh I'm very Kinetic. emotional, you know? Yeah. And um, I also want to mention, because it seems like this case is heading towards resolution, um, we talk a little bit about, uh, like, the internet and, and comments in this panel. Um, we have asked Ladessa about YouTube comments. Like, uh, so, so there is a chance that we may remove or just stop the comment section on these videos. And when you listen to it, I think you'll probably understand why, but I'm leaning towards doing that. I think that would be for the best. So just full transparency, if you see that we've shut these comments off, it's not because someone hit it out of the park with a with a theory. It's because uh, this could potentially be damaging to Brandon's children. Okay, everybody, so thanks a lot for listening. And Private Investigations for the Missing gets a little bit of a shout-out in this episode, so we just want to let you know to follow them on social media and check out their website and consider donating, please, at investigationsforthemissing.org. And uh, Lou Barry has assisted Jason Watts in reviewing some of the footage from these searches, and that comes up a little bit here. But I just want to mention that because it, it is a small connection that PIs for the Missing had in this case, but I don't want it to be overlooked. And that is a really great point because Jason works closely with Lou and not just on the legal end of things, but how to approach and communicate and have a relationship with uh, community members, media members, law enforcement. So Jason's learning a lot from Lou, starting with Brandon, and that is really translating into all of the other missing person cases that he's going to be taking on in the future. A lot of his approach is from the, the guidance and the teachings of Lou. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. You may see this pop up on Missing as well. We just want to spread the word as far and wide as possible with these panels. And check out the links in the show notes to follow us on social media. We've been having a lot of fun on TikTok, and we posted a lot of uh, stories on Instagram from CrimeCon, and that was really cracking us up. And uh, I think that's saved now as highlights on the Crawlspace Instagram page. Thanks a lot, everyone. We, uh, we really appreciate the support, and we'll see you at ObsessFest. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. 
The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This is Crawl Space Live, and I am Tim, and that's Lance down at the other bookend. And we are here with uh, Ledessa, who is um, Brandon Lawson's ex, and Jason Watts, case advocate, and John Lorden of Lorden Arts and Brain Scratch. Thank you for joining this uh, panel today. We really appreciate it. Okay, so how many of you are not familiar with Brandon Lawson's disappearance. Okay, great. Then we can probably have Ledessa and Jason give us some of the details about uh, Brandon's disappearance. And um, yeah, maybe if you don't mind, Ledessa, starting off uh, your relationship with him and um, maybe the circumstances leading up to the night that uh, he disappeared. Okay, yeah. Hi, I'm Ledessa. I'm from Texas. Sorry. <laughs> it's really, you know, right here. Um, Brandon went missing August 9th, 2013, and uh, we got together in high school. So I was 15, he was 16. Um, we have kind of like a blended family, but there's four kids involved. So three that I've had and a stepdaughter, but they're all ours, you know? So, and then um, just, go ahead, Jason, go ahead. Yeah, so Brandon went missing the night of August 9th, 2013. Uh, he left the home that he shared with Ledessa in San Angelo, and he began traveling north on Highway 277, and his truck ran out of gas just four miles south of the town of Bront, Texas. And he made a 911 call that is all over YouTube. Those of you who have followed the case have probably listened to it. Uh, he's speaking very frantically. Uh, he's difficult to understand, but one thing that is clear is he does say that he is being chased and needs the police. Uh, the phone call dropped. Uh, Brandon's brother arrived on the scene to assist Brandon about 20 minutes later, and they were able to briefly reestablish contact with each other, but uh, Brandon seemingly either lost connection or hung up on his brother, and he was missing for the past eight and a half years. And I will add that um, I did the missing person. They wouldn't let me do it for like three days later. We didn't know he called 911 at first. We had no idea. We saw the phone records. I'm like, look, it has a 911 call. When I made the, you know, police record, you know, the missing persons, because they were just fighting on what county should have done it. But I did learn any county that somebody goes missing in, or you live in, you're, you can do it there. But I mean, it was just back and forth. We didn't know. He called 911. We basically didn't even know that. Um, just some details that we didn't know. So, and then we find out four or five days later that he did do that. So it was very heartbreaking. And then I finally got the 911 call released. Uh, the ranger gave it to me and it was hard for me. I was like, do I put it on the internet? Do I not? But I was really disturbed by it because they were like, oh, it didn't say nothing on there. And it did. It just said that, I, you know, I need a cop. Like he, he needed help. And um, my biggest thing was when they put that out there, she didn't ask his name and location. And so maybe if we did that, we would have kind of known a point to start at to try to find them, and we didn't. And unfortunately, they did change the whole process. It doesn't go through Bront, Texas. It goes through San Angelo now. 
So luckily, any family that ever calls 911 in that area will get, you know, someone that knows what they're doing, trained. So, yeah. Yeah, at the time, all the, the area where Brandon went missing is very rural, very small. Uh, the population of the county is only 3,000. So at the time, all of the 911 calls were routed to a local nursing home and were answered by, like, CNAs, nurse assistants, and stuff like that. So they weren't trained 911 professionals. And uh, Jason, can you tell us a little bit more about the terrain um, and, and where Brandon's car was found? So Brandon's, <clears throat> excuse me, Brandon's truck was found uh, about a mile south of the Colorado River. It is an area that is thick with mesquite, cactus, rough, rocky terrain. Uh, it is inhabited largely with wild boar and rattlesnakes. And it's, it's not a place you want to be running around in the dark. I think setting the... Uh, did I just almost interrupt John Lorden? <laughs> How dare you? I'm so sorry, John. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was just going to say that uh, Lodessa made an interesting point about re- releasing the 9-11 call. Because that step... I think was a huge catalyst for all the attention that would come from the social media area. And the way that Ladessa engaged that attention and helped use it to add to her family of caring about Brandon and trying to bring a solution like this, you know, we're looking at it kind of in hindsight now. We've, we've got the discovery. We're, we're getting an idea of what we think happened. But the truth is, it's a chain of people, and honestly, you guys out there that also shared that story, told your families about it, they looked it up, all of us are part of that chain that helps lead to a conclusion that quite honestly, in you know, hundreds of cases that I've looked at, this is kind of the perfect scenario of cooperation, but it all really started oh, with Ladessa sharing the right information and then reaching out and engaging, because when I put my video out, all of a sudden I'm getting a message that, hey, Ladessa wants to talk to you. And I think, oh my God, I'm about to get slayed by this person. (laughs) And it was the exact opposite. It was a welcoming into her family. I'm talking to Brad on that phone call. I'm talking to a cousin. I'm hearing the kids playing in the background. And having that perspective and being able to share that with you guys, I think kind of hooked our hearts all a little bit more and made us part of that chain. I'm just so proud to be part of that. Thank with you. you. Guys. Yeah, and that was um, that that was excellent uh, way to put it. Like putting that uh, that 911 call out there. Like how important that was. Um, and I'm assuming a lot of a lot of you, if you know the uh, story of Brandon's um, disappearance, you've heard that 911 call. And I remember. I think Tim and I were driving back from New York. Uh, I, I don't know if we actually met with the folks at CrimeCon, but we were coming back from New York. From it doesn't matter. That was the first time that we. Um, spoke to Jason, uh, the, the two of us, and he was on speaker, and he was like, this is, this is really personal to me, and this, this story is crazy, and he introduced us to the 911 call, and I remember we listened to that thing over and over and over, and then when, when I got home, it was over and over, and slowing it down, speeding it up, just trying to figure out, like, what did he just say? What did he say? Could it have been this? And right to what John said, everybody in the community is a perfect storm of like, you're going to do this. 
Jason's going to do that. Ledessa's doing this. You know, we're talking to, to the parents and we're, you know, we're talking to Ledessa and like you said, like her kids are running around. It was a, as strange as it is to say, it was a beautiful coming together of everything done right. And yeah, it, it really a, 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 a brilliant uh, conclusion, sort of conclusion to the whole thing. I think there's a lot of lessons that we still have yet to learn because we are still waiting for information in terms of final confirmation and stuff. But um, for other families that are facing situations like this, like this is an example of how you do it. I got to say also in terms of Jason, uh, I think you heard maybe a little bit in how Ledessa was explaining her frustration with getting the missing persons report filed. There was some tough feelings towards law enforcement around this. You know, uh, when I started looking into it, it's like, wait, the sheriff, his wife is writing the paper and the paper is basically a fluff piece for what the sheriff's doing. Like there was a lot to be critical about um, from law enforcement's perspective. But I had a phone call with Jason a few years ago that I felt in me, I'm like, wow, this is the shift that this case needs where Jason was like, you know what? We're not going to be as critical. We're trying to get these guys on the same page as us. And it still boils back to that sense of increasing your family and bringing in those extra resources, getting everyone on the same page. And you know, yeah, we're not gonna point fingers. We're not gonna lay blame. Yes, there was deputies that said, we know he's not out here. And yes, now we know that he was out there. It's not about that. It was, there was a turn that I heard in terms of Jason's approach. And I, I firmly believe that led to the opening of these doors that led us to where we are now. And Jason, can we hear a little bit about how you knew Brandon? How I knew Brandon? Yeah, uh, so Brandon and I went to the same high school. And uh, we weren't like best friends that hung out on the weekend or anything, but like, so I was kind of a nerdy, awkward, goofy kid in high school. And I, I got my share of, uh, you know, crap for it. But there was one time when Brandon stepped in and, and kept me from getting pummeled too hard. <laughs> uh, and I never forgot that respect that he, he showed me that day, because he didn't have to do that. But he went out of his way to stick up for me. And when he went missing, I decided that I, I wanted to return that respect to him in whatever way I could. And so I reached out to Ledessa and offered to help her in any way that I could. And it started as this advocacy that has morphed into like citizen detective advocate. And so I went from just sharing the story to actively investigating it how I could. And then from there, with the help of amazing people, I was able to get to a point where I was able to actually start putting boots on the ground, I don't know, six or seven years after the fact and looking for Brandon again. And when Ledessa and I started talking about searching for Brandon again, she said, I, I just want to start from scratch and act like we know nothing and search the entire area again. And so we started putting those uh, processes into place. We did two drone searches in early 2020. We did a foot search in 2020, and then in this past January, just a couple of months ago, we put boots on the ground in a property 
within a one mile radius of where Brandon's truck was found and we discovered articles of clothing that matched what he was wearing the night he went missing. And uh, we called law enforcement out and they collected the items, took them in as evidence and came back out with a subsequent follow-up search that led them to discover human remains. And um, that search party that you put together, I just want to give a shout out to Whitney and Melissa of Cults, Crimes, and Cabernet. Yes. Part of that search party. Yes, please, please give them a round of applause. Uh, Chris, Melissa's husband, Melissa and Whitney, they were part of my team out there, and I couldn't be more thankful and appreciative to them. Do more than give them a round of applause. Subscribe to their show yes. and give them a solid five-star review. <laughs> You know, their involvement was really a shining example of community coming together to solve a case, to help solve a case. Every single person in this crowd, whoever shared Brandon's flyer or talked about him or thought about him or wished Ledessa the best, they all had a role to play in making this all come to fruition. And I think I would like to start with... You know, you never know who this could happen to. Like, if you would have told me this was my life right now, I would not have believed you. But the thing, it's not just a case. It's a family member, you know, and it's everybody's family. Everybody matters, no matter who goes missing. Anything that happens, everybody matters. So some people are like, well, this and that. It, does, it doesn't matter what they did. You know what I mean? It's like we all make mistakes. We're all young. Me and Brandon were not the perfect couple. We were, you know, 10 years together, we were, we got together when we were 15 and 16, but you know, we were maturing together as we got older. And I will tell you what kind of person Brandon was, because that's the most important thing to me. He was a good person. He, we would go places, he'd make 10 friends. Right, you know, everybody loved Brandon, but the thing is, you know, I'm just so blessed by all the people in this room, because I know a lot of y'all, and just all them that came together and everybody to just help my family, like, you know, Easter was different this year because um, everybody was there. You know, we had like, I don't know, 20 kids there. That's how many cousins there is. There's so many. And, you know, our family, we always say a prayer and we always talk about Brandon, you know. And it was just different this year. It was like, wow, we have something. Like, we don't know if it's him or not, but we found his clothes. We have something. Before, we didn't have nothing. And it was just, you know, just our family together, the way we just came together as a family and just loved on each other. And it just, it wasn't like that for a long time. So, you know, for a long time when I would come in, everybody would look for Brendan because he was always by me. And they're like, we're, you know, it was just hard. But now I feel like we're in the position when we do find out, you know, it's sad. And I wish this was different. I wish he was alive. I wish, you know, I honestly, this is not what I wanted, but the thing is, now we can help other people. So feel free to talk to me if you have anybody missing or if you need opinions. I would love to help. Um, I don't know a lot, but I can help from my experience. So, um, But it just, it takes time and a team. And let me tell you, you have to act very mature in this situation. It's very hard sometimes because I believe there's more good in this world than there's bad. So people are going to talk about you and say things, and that's okay. But the thing is... You know, me, everybody's like, how do you not get so angry? Why don't you do this and that? How's that going to help me with Brandon? How's that going to solve Brandon? How's it going to help him? Is that the way I want my kids to act? No. I want them to know that, you know, their father loved them. Yes. 
you know, everything that's on the internet stays on the internet. And I have teenagers now, you know, and they read stuff and they're like, they call me and they're asking me, they're like, is this true? And I'm like, some of it is and some it's not, but I've been very honest. And for me being a mom, I, you know, you think you have all these answers to give them. You don't. You just do the best you can. But besides that, Brandon was a very good person. He made mistakes. I did. But, you know, he loved everybody. And just, you know, I can't wait. You know, my children are getting older, and we're going to do a bit if we do find out it's Brandon. And I just want the whole community to come together. Everybody's invited. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's something that I want them to know, like, how much love we brought. Not just, you know, it just a sad situation, but how much we have touched other people. So that's what means the most to me. So sorry, y'all. I, 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 I don't get it really yeah, You know, one thing I really think that speaks to the type of person that Brandon was, I mean, we all read things on the internet and Reddit and all that junk, but if you wanna know, in addition to what Ladessa said, look how much that one time he stepped in for me meant to me. That's the kind of person he was for just me, an average nobody from a tiny town in Texas to, to help her in the way that I have because that's what that man meant to me. Just that, just that one time, that one encounter. Well, and the trust of Ladessa when she reached out to me and opened up her family in that way, yeah. completely inspired me to start a whole missing persons show where I've featured hundreds of different cases, spoken to more families than I can count, and was able to share similar experiences that I learned from them. Aww. So that way that they wanna go and help other people literally started years ago when we had that phone call yeah. and it hasn't stopped since. And it's just, I think it's just the perfect example of that energy the love that you have for Brandon, just transcending, and it literally changed the world. It's changing the world. Yeah, and I think, um, Ladessa, your, your statement that you just made, you didn't prepare us for that. Like, you didn't say, I'm gonna start talking about all this, but when you were talking about it all, you know, like, we, doing what we do, we hear people say all the time, if, if this is just found, or if this is just solved, or if they get an answer, it brings some sort of closure, but we've never liked to find closure. You know, like we, we talk to family members and no one really knows what that closure is. Uh, and you just perfectly defined it. Like, he's not there, but at least you have something. At least you have one Easter now. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that you can, I don't know, have something like a weight off of you. Yeah. And it's like, the, it's like the closest definition to that closure that we've always, like, talked about and hoped for, for anybody. Yeah. And I think that's just a wonderful definition of what you just said. Yeah. You know, I feel like bad things happen, you know, I, honestly, it, it was terrible, but, you know, we got through it, you know, and I'm not going to play a victim, like, I can use lots of excuses in life, but I'm not, you know, so I think the rewarding thing for us and the children is going to help other children in their situation, so, because they don't do a lot, they don't, you're just kind of lost, you don't know what to do, you're like, okay, I was 25 years old when you went missing, I had no idea, and, you know, and at first, you have law enforcement, you have the DPS, you have everyone coming together that you have to talk to and you're like, okay, what, where do I start? What do I do? And you just don't know, you know, and it's really critical. The first, you know, a lot of people are not like that, but 24 to 36 hours is so critical. It's like, you know, just the more you go and then 
in law enforcement, you know, me saying anything bad about them or what they did, I don't think they have the tools that they need to be successful at all. It's a little bitty town. There's four cops, like a sheriff, sheriff deputy, and two other deputies. They've never really understand other cases, you know, missing persons. Unfortunately, a lot of um, some police officers are not trained for missing persons, and it's sad, but they're doing so much more for this community and coming together, and it's really, it's really good because I talk to law enforcement all the time, and they're, like, doing classes and helping, and it just makes you feel better because you're like, okay, we're going to help the other people in life. So, but... We're very, you know, just blessed from everybody. There's so many people in this room right now. I'm a little nervous. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so human remains were found. Um, it, it's uh, expected to be Brandon's. Um, there's no confirmation yet? Uh, no, we're still waiting on the DNA analysis of, of those remains. Uh, I think law enforcement informed Ledessa a few weeks ago that it could possibly take up to six months. I just wanted to ask, Jason, on that day, and girls, when, when you were out there, what was the expectation emotionally? Like, were you thinking, today's the day, or is it, this is another search? Like, how do you get that spark of hope that starts each of those days and then keep it alive through the end of the days where maybe you don't make that discovery? I took that approach with every search that I did. Every time I went out there, to look for him, I said, I'm gonna find him. I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna find him. We're gonna find him. It's not, it's not a me thing. Uh, we're gonna no, find him. <laughs> you, it takes that mindset to be successful. Whether you're looking for a missing person or you wanna be a football player or, or whatever your ambition is, when you have a passion for something, take the mindset of, I'm gonna do it. Today's the day I'm gonna do it. Nice. And how, is, uh, how, are, how are your kids doing? They're doing pretty good, you know. Um, so, Winton's nine now. Nolan is 10. Destiny's 15. So, we have teenagers now. And Mackenzie's 18. So, you know, they all look at it different. Winton was a baby. He's like, so did he not want to be with me? Did he? And I'm like, it was, you know, it wasn't like that. He just don't understand. And then, Nolan, y'all going to know our family. We have a big sense of humor no matter what. He thinks Brandon was maybe Tarzan out there and he can survive and he don't think it's him. And, you know, and then Dusty's 15. She, she knows, you know, and it just, it was hard. But, and then Mackenzie's 18 and she just already at that kind of, you know, when they're 18, they know it all, you know, they're learning life and, you know, she's doing pretty good. She graduates Monday. So she graduates <laughs> and, you know, honestly, she is my stepdaughter, but she's mine. But, like, me and her mom have the best relationship. Um, we came together. We raised them. She would take my kids if I went. Or I could take, you know, it just, for the love that I've had, I'm just so blessed. I really am. So, because I could not ask for a better support group for everybody. I mean, and the kids, we have such a village that I can't even tell you. But... One thing I did honor by Brennan as being, you know, a parent, he loves sports. We love sports. Like, Winton's named after Jason Winton, a Dallas Cowboy player, and then <laughs> no one's no one Ryan, you know. So they play sports all year long. I'm tired. <laughs> but we do all the sports, and, you know, it just makes a difference because every time Nolan goes out there or, like, Winton with their Lawson, you know, they're like, I'm representing my dad. I'm like, that's right. And so, you know, Nolan gets his football number, and, it just, it makes a difference because they're like, you know what, we're, we're doing this. And 
you know, it's something that you have to think at the same time being in each other's shoes, but I did honor what he wanted, so <sighs> that's what we do. <laughs> you know, we're busy, but they're good. They're good. And as, as far as the search goes, uh, when you found the remains, can you take us through that? And I'll, I'll invite um, either one of you or both of you to come up, uh, Whitney or Melissa, if you want to take uh, my mic and, you yeah. know, contribute yeah. as, uh, as Jason's talking as well. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Where do I begin? Uh, well, how, how did you organize the search? Uh, well, I have a group of people that I'm, I'm close with that I usually take out there with me. Um, these two ladies we met in early 2021 and they covered Brandon's case on their podcast and uh, they just they didn't want to be one of those podcasts that just covered the case and moved on they wanted to be active and they they called me after I initially met with them and they said if you go back out to do a search would you please invite us and I said yeah sure uh, I'm, I'm kind of leery of who I trust as far as bringing people into the case but uh Having them there was, was awesome, but um, uh, there's a man in San Angelo, his name is Dylan. He's kind of like my second in command down there. A uh, man named Ryan, who has just been there for Ladessa yeah. since the beginning. He, he, he wanted to be a part of a search. So I reached out to the landowner early last year. And my process for that was, I would send the landowner a letter in the mail with a copy of Brandon's flyer and a map of where the truck was found so that I could say, you know, here's who I am, here's what I'm doing, this is why I think your property may be a good place to search for him. And the landowner probably called me back about a week later and uh, he said, I, you know, we don't live on the property, we live in a completely different part of the state and we, we don't go out to the property that often. I didn't even know there was a missing man anywhere near where I, where where that property is, uh, and I said, "Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm trying to help the family get their answers. Um, would you be willing to let us search your your property?" And this man was just—I can't say enough nice words about the guy. He, he said, yes, absolutely. We, we will do whatever we can to help, you know, you and, and, and Brandon's family get your, get some closure. And if he's, if he's, you know, if he's out there, we want you to go out there and, and find him. And so uh, we had originally wanted to do the search last year, but we had some issues come up with like my job and then the landowner's job. And so we had to put it off you're kind of limited on when you can do an effective search down there because of the way the terrain grows, like the grass and the cactus and the mesquite. They, once springtime hits, it turns into a almost a jungle-ish nightmare. Yeah. It's not a place you want to be trying to run around, and the rattlesnakes come out, and the hogs will attack you if they're provoked. So the best time to do a search is really late winter, like in the middle of January all the way up until March. And so I, I kept in contact with the landowner throughout, you know, that time. And I called him in December and I said, I think I want to try to do it on January 15th. 
And he said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come out there, we'll, we'll unlock the gate for you, and, and you can get out there and do your thing. Uh, so January rolls around, and it's the Wednesday before the search. The search is on Saturday, this is a Wednesday. I had been keeping an eye on, a, on the weather the entire time. Uh, long story short, the weather went from nice to windy and cold, very cold. And this just speaks to a testament as to how they were willing to, no matter what, go out there and look for them. I messaged my search team, I said, it's gonna be cold, it's gonna be windy, I'll do whatever you guys wanna do, but we may need to re reschedule this. And every single one of them texted me back, said, Jason, we're not rescheduling this, we're going. We're gonna look for him. Nothing's gonna stop us. And I said, okay, let's go, let's do it. And I think it was God's gift to me because I was sick the week before, and I was like, Jason, I don't think I can make it. Like, I was already sick. And, you know, I kind of think it was God's gift because I think if I was out there, I wouldn't have stopped if we found something. Like, they couldn't not have stopped me. So, you know, I'm kind of glad I was sick because... And then a lot of people don't understand Bront. Bront is a very small community. So 85% of the people that live there are usually seniors. And so they don't have a lot of social media. They don't have cell phones. They mostly, like, read the newspaper. That's about it there. So that's why it's hard, and a lot of people didn't know, but... We hand out flowers. We went around everywhere. It just We try to make as much as we can, but it's just its own community because there's not a lot out there at all. It's like a Dollar General and one restaurant in a stripes. Yeah, yeah basically. That's about it. <laughs> and uh, Whitney and Melissa, can you tell us a little bit about what the experience was like on the search? It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cold. 50-mile-an-hour winds. I think it was around 30 degrees. We had layers upon layers of clothing, which was good because the mesquite trees and the cactus, we had thorns in us for weeks Sorry. after that. But essentially, we just started at one portion of the land. It was about a 100-acre plot. Um, we were going side by side as much as we could. Eventually, you would get to terrain that you just couldn't even push your way through. That's how thick it is in Texas. Mm -hmm. So did that for a few hours. Um, kind of, we, we needed a break to have a snack. We went back to the vehicles, kind of regrouped, figure out what our next step was going to be. And then luckily, I think it was Jason or maybe Dylan that came up with the bright idea. Let's search the area that has, that's not as difficult terrain. Get that out of the way because there was no way the nine of us were going to get through 100 acres all in one day. No. So we went over to do a, an area that was much flatter, a lot nicer to go through. Well, I can, I can kind of go into a detail a little bit of, about why I chose to do that. So as we were taking this break, I started studying an aerial view of the property, and I noticed that back off in, in a certain corner of this property, there were no ATV trails. It, it was a place people didn't look like. It, it was a place it looked like people just didn't go. Even, even when the owners came out there to hunt, you know, there's no, they didn't have deer stands back there or anything like that. And so I decided that we should go back there and search that because nobody goes back there. If he was missed, that's where he could be. And we weren't back there five minutes, and that's when we found the clothing. I would like to point out, Ladessa said that this was a God thing that kept her from coming that night. Also, it was one year to the day that we went out and met Jason the first time to cover Brandon's case. So there's lots of signs in this case. There's lots of ways this all came together, you know, Jason 
Ladessa was brought to Jason. Jason was brought to Ladessa for Brandon's story. We were brought in to Jason. We were given that connection, and everything just seemed to fit together. So there's something about this case that it's going this year. It's going to be solved. There's something about it. Real quick, if if any of you out there are the are the victim or a family member of a missing person or some or an unsolved murder, I just want to say. Do not give up looking for that person or looking for that answer. Please. Uh, you know, I put, I put years of my life into helping her. And you stay persistent and, and you can find the answer. Just want to ask, what, the, what was the moment like for all of you when you um, found that article of clothing? When you found that, that, that like, what happened? Who called out? Like, what, what went down? Well... I was kind of walking along the fence line, and I, I had a lady here on my left. We were all maybe about arm's length apart from each other, and I keep a very close eye on my search team when I'm out there. I take their safety very seriously. And I'm, I'm looking, and as I look to my left, I notice she's not here. And I look back, and she's looking down at the ground with this look on her face. And I said, are you okay? And she goes... Jason, there's a, there's a part of a tennis shoe here. And, you know, I'm like, okay, no problem. I go up to it and take a look, and I have to turn it over because it was just the, like the rubber bottom part. And uh, I knew that Brandon was wearing white Nike Air Maxes when he went missing. And so we, we, we turn this bottom part of this shoe over, and you see the Nike symbol, and then on the very bottom, you see Max. And I just, a thousand emotions hit you at once. And as I'm examining this shoe, Melissa's husband, she, he, he, he kind of jumps up and says, there's a pair of camouflage shorts over here. And that's exactly what Brandon was wearing. And so I go to examine the shorts, and I, I tell Dylan to go ahead and take you and Chris, take the rest of the search team, and go ahead to see if you can find anything else. And as I'm examining the short, you know, I'm not touching anything. I can't touch anything because that could disturb evidence. But, you know, as I'm looking to confirm that this is Brandon, um, I hear Chris shout, I just found the other shoe. And when everything happened, boom, 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 so fast, like, I would say it was what within a five minute, within five minutes we had all three if of those even. items. If yeah, even. And so, when I really realized that this is this is it, I reached out to our private investigator, wonderful gentleman by the name of Lou Barry, and he contacted law enforcement, and they responded. You mentioned Lou Barry. Um, he works with private investigations for the missing. Did private investigations for the missing have any role in this? Well, in 2019, as I was getting ready to, to do more searches for, to, to really in, to initiate the process of looking for Brandon, I realized that I needed somebody that had way more experience than me. And uh, Lou is a retired police chief, very smart man. And I had seen the work that he had done in the Brianna Maitland case, and he is... He is one of the investigators for that nonprofit organization, and I reached out to him and asked him for his assistance. And thankfully, he didn't think I was just some young dumb punk kid trying to play Sherlock Holmes. He he had my he he, he offered to help out, and and he 
offered his knowledge and his experience and all the things that I've been able to do and that we've been able to do, they would not have happened without Lou Barry. And Jason, how many flyers did you send to landowners? Well, when I wrote them a letter, I would just include one flyer. You know, just enough to... Well, how many landowners did you reach out to then about searching on their property? Oh, man. I don't know how many were... There were 10, 12... There was a lot, like, you know, people sell their property and then they don't. And, you know, so it was like new landowners sometimes. And um, Bronx, like, a, they go hunting, so they lease deer leases too. So if somebody's out there, it doesn't mean that they're the landowner, even though I was talking to all of them. So, but I will tell you all that finally when law enforcement did do a search, it took them two weeks. I was like, okay, two weeks, really? But... You know, they, unfortunately, they had a fire and other stuff in different, you know, the, the rangers are really busy. And they finally did a search, and I was just sitting there all day, impatient, calling. And finally, my father-in-law talked to the ranger, and he's like, I need you to sit down. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And he told me that, you know, they did fine. And honestly, it was a game warden for Bront, Texas, that found it. So um, we're just waiting on the DNA it takes one month to six months. It's just a waiting game, even though I'm like, I need to know now, you know? So it doesn't work like that. But honestly, I'm just glad that when Jason told me and I talked to them, I just, I didn't, I didn't think we would ever find anything. It's not that I didn't, I didn't, I had hope, but I'm like, it's just so much land. And I'm, I beat myself up where they found him because I'm like, we were around that area. It was like, not even, I'm like, what, mile? What do you think? So I, I mapped it out uh, from how far Brandon's truck was found to where we found those items was not quite a full mile. Yeah. It, was, it was like 0.97. Yeah, and it was like this, but I was just so upset because I'm like, I've searched more than anybody knows. I've done helicopter searches. I've done, you know, drones. I've done cadaver dogs. I've done anything you can name I've done. But, you know, it's just a miracle that they found him found the clothing and you know it just it does give you hope because I didn't think we were going to find nothing for a long time. I, I don't know if I ever told you this but uh, making that phone call to you that night was uh, <clears throat> sorry it was one of the hardest things but don't make me cry. <laughs> one of the best things I've ever been able to do. Mm-hmm. I know and there's a picture that I wish I we had something to show you, but this picture is one of the, <laughs> yeah, they were, he was over him, like, and it was good. It was just good. to do, just to describe to the audience what Ledessa is talking about. Yeah. Uh, after we had called law enforcement, we had to walk back to where our vehicles were to wait for the police to show up. And I, I, I kind of collapsed on the ground in a very emotional moment. And Chris, uh, he was a, he came and put his arm around me, and I don't know which one of y'all took that picture, but it, that picture is a picture of a man who's going through a thousand emotions at once. And, uh, man, the, the, the thing that was probably going through my mind the most was uh, now you and your kids don't have to wonder where he is anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I honestly thought you posted a picture of me from our yearbook. <laughs> I freaked uh, out. I can do that now if y'all want me to. <laughs> yes, please do. Yeah. Wear, sun, uh, wear, wear sunglasses if you look at that picture. <laughs> well, I think we've got about 10 minutes left, and we can take some questions from the audience if anyone's got any questions. Hello. Uh, I had followed the case, but I didn't realize that Brandon had been found. So I'm a little behind on my uh, podcasting. But there's another similar case in Texas, Jason Landry. Yep. Uh, and it seems, I mean, exactly similar. Same circumstances. He crashed his car and he wandered out there in the woods. And the law enforcement seems to be have the same attitude. No, you can't, you can't search there. You can't do this. So I'm wondering if, uh, I guess maybe this question is for John. Are you going to do like a follow-up or, or are you fo- or on that case? It's been... It's been ongoing with Jason's father. I think anyone that sees Kent talk about his son can't help but feel for that man. He's a pastor in his community, uh, a staple for his community, someone that cares about other people when they're down. And right now he's down and, and he needs support through all that. So yes, as a matter of fact, I've got a poster um, we've been promoting at the previous two crime cons, trying to raise awareness to that case as well. There's something troubling, and I know these boys certainly understand that, about these cases where we have people go missing and their vehicle is left behind. I think a lot of us feel like our vehicle is kind of an extension of us, and for you to get separated from that means something kind of bizarre has happened. In Jason's case, not only do we have him at, it's, it's an accident scene, essentially, his vehicle has wound up in an accident, but his personal effects that mean a lot to him are strewn in the road, including his pet fish, his beta fish that he was taking home with him, and his clothing that he was wearing. They have pictures of him earlier that day left in the road. So it begs a lot of questions. I know as soon as I got involved with that case, I talked to Jason about it. Um, Yeah, I actually went down to the scene of where Jason Landry went missing. I've been down there twice. Um, That could be a case of very much so of he is still out there, and it's just a matter of getting in the right place at the, you know, getting a search team on the the right piece of property and and finding him. Absolutely. It is such a tough thing. Um, I mean, you can never imagine what the families are going through, and that's why I always feel literally it's like the biggest honor in my work when I'm able to be in contact with them and it just helps share any nugget that helps them. And when Jason told me, hey, John, we found him, the first thing I thought was, okay, we got to get the lessons of how this thing went right. And we got to apply that in other cases. And the first case that I thought of was Jason Landry. I'm like, this is so similar in so many ways. And ultimately, look what we have within a mile of the location, and I think there's a very good chance that that's what we're looking at with Jason's case. What's tricky is the family is in a spot where what they're going through emotionally is very tough, and they're looking for answers that make sense, and I, I think you can talk to this, Ladessa. That's a hard explanation to take, right? That he just he just ran off? It, it is. I think, I think a lot of people just think Everybody grieves different. Everybody's different the way that they act when bad things happen, you know? And the biggest thing is don't give up. Do not give up. I mean, there's days that I was like, come on, Brandon, tell me where you're at. Tell me, like, what happened. Like, you know, and I, 
I felt hopeless sometimes. And then my children are like, so when is this going to happen? Like, what's going on? And for me as being a mother, I want to be like, oh, well, you know, I didn't have that for a long time. So just don't give up. Fight for what's right. Don't argue with people sometimes on on social media. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of great things about social media, and there is people that have things to say, and that's fine, but don't argue with them. You know, I mean, life's too short to argue with people, you know, so just keep, don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up at all. I, 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 I'm just so impressed, like, when we heard the news as well, just thinking not only is it uh, really great news for you and your family uh, and your extended family uh, through Brandon, it, it's just, like... I think I even said, I was like, God damn, this is just a perfect textbook example. And I hope that these um, techniques and, and just the attitudes and, you know, not, he, not listening to, oh, uh, pardon me for saying this, I don't believe it, but uh, Brandon's abducted by Mexican, a Mexican drug oh, cartel. No, you're fine. And it's like, where did you come, why, like, where did that conclusion, like, enter your mind? Where, how are you putting that together? But you guys didn't uh, listen to that. You just, kept going like, well, that doesn't matter. It, you know, this, yeah. is, this is where it happened. And we're going to look in this area because we, until it's exhausted. And you did it the right way. I think like you could really host your own seminar just on properly executing an independent investigation outside of the legal, uh, you know, outside of law enforcement. Yeah. It was, and, and if anything is to be taken from this, as well as not to give up, it's know what your goal, like you said it, I'm just literally saying what you said, like just keep the, keep the goal in mind and keep going. Yeah, you know, law enforcement was funny because I would be sitting there waiting until they got there. I'm like, so what are we going to do today? What's going on? What are we going to do? And so I had, you know, our family did a lot of the work and we called every number that he talked to. I even, even brought people in that he talked to, to be like, okay, what do we do next? Like, Something needs to happen, so just don't give up. And right is right, and wrong is wrong, and every person deserves to be found. You know, you just you can't give up. And me being a mom, I just I'm like, y'all need to tell me what's going on. Like, I, I, we're gonna do something today. I think we have another question over there. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> um, my question is, what do you guys think we need to do as the public? to change law enforcement's mindset about how to handle these cases. In Brandon's case, and specifically Jason Landry's case, Jason was a victim of a motor vehicle accident, bottom line. So I don't care what state of mind they were in. These were incredibly cold nights, very unusual weather, and people didn't, I mean, I just don't think what needed to happen happened in those times. I realize resources are limited, but what can we do to change that view of law enforcement? And my second um, part of the question is, in Jason Landry's case, what can we do as the public to help further the search and is there anything we can be doing? There are... Great questions. Yeah. yeah I, I, can, I think I can answer some of it. Um, yeah. It's my hope that with Brandon's case, other law enforcement, law enforcement agencies will take a look at what happened here and say, maybe we do need to change the way we view you know, these cases. They're, I mean, the law enforcement in Brandon's case, they were convinced he was not there. And 
you know, obviously we went out and, and yeah, he was there. And so it, it, I'm hoping that other law enforcement agencies will use this as an example. Um, as far as community involvement, you have to be kind of careful. Uh, Jason Landry's case is still being actively investigated by law enforcement. So um, in Brandon's case, it was a cold case. They were not looking for him. They were not actively doing anything. And so, you know, that's where the, you know, the line is kind of drawn. Is this a cold case or is this an active case? If it's an active case, as frustrating as it is, I would say give them a chance to do their job. Now, if this case ever becomes cold, then um, that's when you can start, you know, maybe the private community can put together searches like I did and go out there and find them. And I, I think um, don't be adversarial. If you're communicating with law enforcement, when you're looking for somebody, don't automatically think that law enforcement is hiding something from you. They're doing their job. They're trying to make sure that the... Uh, uh, they're trying to make sure that the, the case is not uh, compromised in any way. And honestly, being here and talking to some of the law enforcement uh, officials that are here and talking to them about this exact thing, you know, tell them the, there is a section of the public that wants to help and they want to do it the right way. Um, so I think that's, that's important too. Just be open and, and transparent and, and be nice with law Be nice, you know, just tell them that you want to help. Keep in mind you have two forces kind of working against each other in that a lot of missing persons cases will solve themselves in a very short period of time. They're taking a ton of reports for a few that turn into these extended disappearances where something outside of the norm has occurred. Um, one, I, I spoke to a detective, the best piece of advice he gave me is, you have to be a squeaky wheel if you're the family. You have to be a squeaky wheel, but Different detectives handle things different ways, and don't be afraid to have a conversation with your particular detective about how can I communicate with you in a way that's going to keep us informed and keep you engaged. For some detectives, they might say, hey, as soon as you hear something, call me that day or send me an email that day and let me know about it. Others might say, once a week, send me an email with whatever you're hearing. Some might say once a month. Some might say, don't call me, I'll call you but don't be afraid to have a conversation with them about the communication and how that should go best for going forward. And tell them you know John Lorden. And that, <laughs> that'll get you... It definitely helps. Yeah, it definitely helps. Um, do we have time for one more question, if somebody has a question or no? No. Nope. We don't. Oh, okay. no. Thank you so much for listening today. We really appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Thank all of you. All of you, thank you so much.